All right. Welcome back to the Blue Brother Sportscast. I'm Caleb, and with me, as always, is Brandon. Brandon, it's the beginning of the week. How are things? Um, I mean, typical the way they usually are at the beginning of the week, I guess. Um, you know, just trying to get back in the swing of things. Had a nice, relaxing weekend. We really didn't do all that much other than, you know, watch some football and watch Disney Plus pretty much the entire weekend. <laughs> Nice. I'm sure that will come up in uh, in our other uh, episode later this week, Disney Plus. Um, well, I uh, there was something I didn't text you about today. Figured I'd share the news with everybody at one time because it's that time of year. Just puts you in such great mood. Mm-hmm. And this evening. I went out to run an errand with my kids and a deer ran out in front of my car and I hit it. Oh. Yeah. How much damage did you do? Uh, I think it's still drivable, but we did get a ple- uh, an officer to show up to do a report because you can visibly see that the radiator is messed up. Mm-hmm. It still runs. Was it leaking antifreeze? Uh, not that I could tell. Okay. So it might be minimal damage, but I, I was shocked that the bumper and the hood of the car and everything was pretty good. I think there was a dent uh, in there, but nothing was really broken. But uh, since the grill was like plastic or whatever, the impact uh, went through. And yeah, you could tell that the radiator got banged up. So we'll get to find out how lovely that damage is. (laughs) I guess that's what insurance is for. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. um, So my wife's old car, when we got it, uh, we bought it used and it was missing like a piece of the grill on the bottom. She had a G6. Mm -hmm. Um, And then she hit a deer like, I don't know, like a year after we got it, I think. And uh, it ended up like smashing up the front of the, the car, kind of cracked the bumper kind of thing, put a down the hood, all that kind of stuff. So when we took it to, you know, to get fixed at the body shop, they ended up replacing like the entire front end. So that counted that little piece of the grill that was missing. Nice. So <laughs> it ended up, you know, we all we had to do was pay our deductible deductible that was like a couple hundred bucks. And she got like a car that looked like it was brand new because it had like a whole brand new front end on it. Nice. Score. Well, I hope that there's like good news. I don't know. I don't even know what I'm hoping for. But hope it doesn't cost much. We'll see. We'll see. I'm sure I'll be able to share that wonderful news and everything as we're getting closer to Thanksgiving about things I am thankful for. So, uh, anyways, we'll jump into our segments here, uh, before we talk about the games from this past weekend. So we will start with, All right, there are so many things I could say about the Michigan game this weekend. 
but uh, I will go ahead and leave that for the uh, the actual breakdown of the game and everything when we get there. Um, so the thing that I'm going to talk about for a rock moment of the week, I watched uh, plenty of football this weekend as well. And so for me, um, you know, nine times out of ten, when I don't have somebody to root for, I either root for the underdog or the team uh, that has the worst record, <laughs> whether they're the underdog or not. And this they're entertaining. Um, well, uh, well, I'll admit I was like totally okay with Minnesota going undefeated. Uh, that that happened. Their dreams went and died at Knick Stadium. Uh, which is the resting place of so many, so many things. Um, but uh, I also watched the Oklahoma Baylor game for the most part of it. Did you see that one? Uh, no, but I was kind of following the score on the ESPN app. Yeah, that was another twenty-eight to three. I guess that could alone, right there, maybe be. The rock moment of the week. The fact that two weeks in a row there were teams that were down twenty eight to three and they came back to win. <laughs> so that was that was pretty crazy uh, to see because Baylor could have made things pretty interesting if they beat Oklahoma, but they did not. So they are undefeated no more. Uh, always good to see the underdogs win, but also just watch entertaining football. So, but. We will switch gears up and we will go the other end of the spectrum with Garbage Day! Your Garbage Play of the Week brought to you by the one and only Brandon. Brandon, what do we got? (laughs) It was pretty easy this week. Uh, You know, watching the Michigan-Michigan State game. There's really only one play that I can go with, and it's that late hip on um, Shea Patterson by that Jacob Panishuk. Is that how you say his name? Uh, yeah, I think that's how it Something is. Something like yeah. that, you know, resulted in him getting thrown out of the game. Um, yeah, just a dirty hit because it was like at least two or three seconds after uh, Shea let go of the ball. And, I mean, it's a guy that has like a history of doing kind of dirty things. Uh, you know, a couple of years ago where he was kept pushing one of our offensive linemen over onto the pile, like backwards onto his legs. Oh, yeah. And then yep. he was also the same guy that was tw- uh, twisting Kron Higdon's ankles last year. Go figure. Yeah. So not really surprised that he did that. And I was happy to see that he got kicked out of the game for it. Nice. It's a trash play right there. I was... Oh, uh, yeah. I was almost expecting something from the Lions game, but I'm sure we'll discuss that here momentarily. So, <laughs> but all right, well, we will go ahead and get into the conversation about the Lions versus the Cowboys and Michigan versus Michigan State. <laughs> We're going to start with the pro football talk here as uh, the Lions hosted the Cowboys and lost to the Cowboys 
at Ford Field this weekend. And with the final score of 35 to 27, once again, the Detroit Lions liking to put everybody, you know, put it all on the line, be like, oh, you never know. They might do it, but they don't. <laughs> yeah, what was the graphic that they showed during a game where it was like only three teams in the NFL have led in every single game? And it was like the Niners, um, the Chiefs, was it? The Chiefs and the Lions. And it's like Niners first in their division, uh, Chiefs first in their division, Lions last in their division. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just laughed. I saw that. I'm like, there's a there's one graphic that sums up the Lions season. That's that's definitely it. Mm. Um, you know, like I said last week, I don't really get worked up about the Lions anymore because I just I don't know. They're kind of just doing what I expected. You know, there are so many people saying, oh, they're going to go to the Super Bowl. This is their year. They're they're going to, you know, they're going to win a playoff game. And I'm just like, eh, I think they're probably going to go like seven and nine, maybe nine and seven tops. Um, you know, they had that stupid tie. So, you know, that kind of throws a wrench at everybody's um, predictions. But, you know, I just, I mean, I can't see them winning even really more than three games left. Uh yeah, and I mean, just like last week, uh, Stafford is out. So, you know, Jeff Driscoll, he got his second consecutive start. Uh, and he played pretty well. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he showed some moves, you know, scrambling. Uh, he had a really nice spin move there in the second half uh, to evade Leighton Vander Esch. And he got probably about five more yards off of the carry. Uh, he showed some arm strength as well. And, I mean, he's really good at like throwing on the run. I feel like he's even more accurate throwing on a run than he is just, you know, standing, planting his feet and throwing a deep pass or something. Maybe. Um, yeah, and I mean, it was weird because the Lions actually kind of had a run, run game. Yeah. <laughs> and it was from a guy that was on their practice squad for like six days. And it's uh, Bo Scarborough, a mm-hmm. former Alabama running back. You know, big guy, different style of runner than what they normally have. I mean, he's like 240 pounds. So, you know, he was just, he runs hard, runs guys over. And, you know, you can see that in the game. Uh, he did fairly well. He he had a touchdown and he had, you know, almost 60 yards rushing. Uh, he had a couple runs that were really nice. There was one where he, you know, broke a couple tackles. I think he got about 15 yards on a carry. So he he impressed me for being a guy that just came off the practice squad. You know, I hope they keep him around, and I hope he continues to play well because we really could use someone, you know, that can step up when Carry On Johnson gets hurt. Mm-hmm. Uh, Marvin Jones is probably the best receiver that we had yesterday. Um, you know, he had a, he had a touchdown, a re- really nice touchdown, uh, and he had a couple clutch catches. Uh, he led the team in receiving yards. Uh, Kenny Galladay, he kind of he was kind of invisible until late in the game. Uh, the, you know, the, the first catch that he had was pretty amazing. Uh, it was a jump ball. He went up for it, and actually, the defender that was on him was grabbing his face mask the whole time. And sometimes, somehow, Galladay still came up with it. He basically caught it with one hand. Um, yeah, he just continues to be impressive. Uh, and it's just another week where, you know, TJ Hawkinson was just, 
he was just wasn't there. Feel like, <laughs> you know, it's just invisible. He was out there, uh, made some blocks, got a penalty again. So, <laughs> I mean that that <laughs> that let me know that he was still playing. Um, I mean Danny, Danny Amendola, he does what he always does. He made some clutch catches. Uh, you know, showed up, wasn't too flashy, did what he had to do. And then uh, J.D. McKissick, he had his one amazing play that he has. seems to have every single game. Um, you know, he's just been a good addition. They really didn't have to give much for him. I mean, he was a free agent pickup when Seattle cut him. Um, he was really, he's really a great addition to the offense. Uh, really versatile guy. He is, he is fast, he's quick, he's agile. Um, he carry the ball fairly well, but he's, you know, where his value really comes into play is, uh, you know, receiving out of the backfield. Mm-hmm. As far as the defense, this was a game that, you know, the offense did everything they needed to do. You really couldn't ask any more from Jeff Driscoll. This is the defense that lost this game. They were horrible. You know, it seemed like some receiver was wide open the entire game. Um, they made Michael Gallup look amazing. I mean, he's a he's a quality receiver, but he's not like anything great. He's out there and he's looking like, you know, Randy Moss in his prime. <laughs> Guy's wide open, nobody around him for like five yards, and he's catching everything. Uh, he had one amazing catch where um, Mike Ford Jr. actually like wrapped him up for the most part, like completely interfered with him. Uh, he went up for the catch; they got knocked away. And then while he was falling, like it just kind of landed in his hands. <laughs> yeah, it was it was a ridiculous play, and it's just something that you expect to happen all at Lions, I guess. In man, for the defense again, no pass rush. Mm-hmm. Really, uh, Trey Flowers is the only one that really did too much. Uh, Devin Kennard, he got a, a sack, and then Jared Davis, he just frustrates the hell out of me. So he can't cover at all to save his life. Like, we've known this for a couple of years now. The guy cannot play in coverage. But for some reason, they trot him out there and think that they can put him into coverage, and he gets exposed every time. And then on the other side, it's like, oh, you know, he can blitz in and he can get after the quarterback. Yeah, he can get after him, but he never seems to make the the sack. Like, I can't tell you how many times I've seen that guy just fly through the line untouched and then completely whiff on the quarterback. And that happened in the Lions game. Uh, yesterday at least like I know it happened for sure once and I want to say that happened twice and it's just really you know his his time in Detroit in a nutshell and uh, you know that's another first round draft pick that you know he has his times where he's okay but it's just he's incredibly frustrating and inconsistent uh and (laughs) the other last thing I had is um you know, this is like the first game, I think, where it was a pretty easy game for Matt Prater. He didn't really have to do much. <sighs> you know, there was even a even a touchdown where the Lions went for two, so he didn't even have to go up for an extra point. Yeah. And he, he doesn't do kickoffs. You know, um, Sam Martin, a punter, does kickoffs. So, <laughs> you know, Prater really didn't have to do anything. <laughs> Did you uh, – I was surprised that you haven't said anything yet about that two-point conversion. Yeah, that was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as soon as they, 
they lined up for him. Like, they're not going to get it. Like, I can't even remember the last time the Lions went for a two-point conversion. And then they run that play, and I'm like, yeah, that's probably why we don't go for two points. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I thought that might have been your garbage play of the week right there. Man, the last time I think the Lions went for the two-point conversion was last, last year. Maybe, no, it was two years ago. And they ran that play that the Eagles ran in the Super Bowl where they threw the touchdown to um, Nick Foles. Mm-hmm. The Lions were in that for a two-point conversion. They threw it to Stafford. Like, before the Eagles ran that play. Yeah, I remember you talking about that. Yeah. I think that might be the last time they went for two. That I remember, at least. It might be the last time. They, it's definitely probably the last time they made a two-point conversion. Did you see they ran that play with Tom Brady? The Patriots did? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was interesting. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I'm sure you at least caught some highlights of the game. Is there anything you want to add? Yeah, I watched uh, – I wasn't able to watch the whole thing, but I watched uh, inner in, – whatever. Different parts. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea what I was trying to say there. Um, and – yeah, you know, it, I totally agree with you where it was just like the offense was, you know, considering their situation and everything, doing pretty good. Uh, I think Driscoll is turning into a very viable backup quarterback. I mean, what what are your opinions on him? Are you thinking, you know, he he's a good um, guy to have and develop over time to maybe stick around long term? Yeah, I think he has played very well. Um you know, especially with a limited amount of practicing time he's had with the team. Mm-hmm. Um, I said the other day that Driscoll's probably the best backup quarterback the Lions have had since Sean Hill, but that's no. not really saying much. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, uh, competition he has for that, uh, Drew Stanton, I guess, but I think Drew Stanton was around the same time as Sean Hill, and Sean Hill was better than him. So, Stanton! Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. And at this point with Stanton, I think I'd rather have Mike Danton. <laughs> Definitely be entertaining. That's for sure. <laughs> um, yeah, I was shocked too. to, I mean, I, I didn't really notice it again. Of course I didn't see every minute of the game, but I was a little surprised at the quote unquote success of the run game. Mm-hmm. Um, especially considering that, you know, it was uh, about 50 yards more than, uh, the Cowboys rush offense. Yeah. So I guess, I mean, that's one thing. I don't know if it was more so the lack of run plays. Uh, not really. I mean, they, they ran it uh close amount of times that Detroit did. So, feel like maybe that's one thing the defense was doing okay at, but I mean, that's kind of a stretch anyways, but as a whole. Yeah, and at the same time, like, um, you know, they didn't really have to run too much because they could pass all day. Yeah. Like, Prescott had at least, like, four seconds every single time he dropped back to pass, and there was always somebody wide open. Uh, don't get it. But Yeah, so, no, I mean... You know, frankly, at this point, I mean, you were talking about what the rest of the season could look like. I know there are going to be some opponents that they're more capable than, but yeah, it's 
you know, why bother? You know, don't try too hard. Just get a good draft pick for next year. Oh, and what about, um, man, Slay had a couple opportunities for some huge plays, man, but so close. So close. Yeah, I don't think he's quite 100%. Uh, oh, yeah. Ever since he hurt his hamstring, he has looked like a step slower. Okay. Uh, he's getting beat a lot, and he struggled. He had a few plays at the beginning of the game where he swatted a couple passes away from Amari Cooper, and those are impressive, but it seemed like, you know, once the game started going on, you know, into the second, third, and fourth quarter that Slay just, he started struggling. And I, I don't think he's up fully 100%. Yeah, definitely possible, so. But, I don't know, I usually say my thing where it's just like the Lions like to give you hope. And then they snatch away at the last second. <laughs> or deflates like a balloon. They just fart in your face. <laughs> they're like, thanks for buying season tickets. <laughs> You'll get nothing and like it. <laughs> All right. Uh, anything else uh, Lion-esque? No, I mean, what else could he say? They're the Lions. Let's get, let's get on the happier stuff here. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag meow. <laughs> All right, Michigan football. So it um, we have a voicemail to listen to. Oh yeah, actually we have two. Um, nice. So we will get to that here in just one second. But just to give you the breakdown, Michigan for the first time under Jim Harbaugh. Uh, was able to win against Michigan State at home. Actually, uh, it's kind of interesting when you break it down because uh, Jim Harbaugh is now 30-4 and four in home games. Um, Rock. And if you know, I mentioned him quite a bit, Drew Hallett on uh, Twitter uh, before the game against Michigan State, that was uh, the sixth best home record for Power 5 schools in that time span. Um, and those four losses have only come to Michigan State and Ohio State. So, I mean, all in all, pretty good record there. Uh, Michigan State, of course, getting the first points of the game, but then essentially Michigan scoring and never looking back where Michigan State was only be able to put up points in the first and third quarters. And, yes, uh, hold on. Let's share some general stuff real quick. Uh, first downs, Michigan 25, MSU 16. Third down efficiency, Michigan went 8 for 13, while MSU was 2 for 13. Uh, total yards, 467 by Michigan and 220 by Michigan State. Uh, da, 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 da. and those were kind of the main ones. Two, uh, two interceptions by Michigan State and a fumble by Michigan. Uh, 
the leading uh, players for Michigan is Giles Jackson, 32 rushing yards, and it happened, Brandon. It happened. (laughs) Ronnie Bell had nine receptions for 150 yards. Yeah, man, in the first half, he had over 100. And as soon as they showed that graphic, I texted you. I was like, finally. It's like, <laughs> oh, my God. Angelic music. Oh. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so interesting thing to point out about that that I wanted to share is that, um, ironically enough, you know how last week I mentioned that three Big Ten teams – did not have a hundred yard receiver. Yes. But that changed where both Michigan and Ohio State finally had their first games. Nice. And uh so that means that Northwestern is the only team without a receiver with a hundred yards in a game. And they played like the worst defense in college football this past week. So Yeah, they put the up chances a- that it's gonna happen the rest of the season are probably slim to none. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Yep, yep, and yep. So, all right. Well, do you want to get to uh, sounds with Steven? Yes. All right. Yes. Here we go. Let's go ahead and hear from Steven. Yeah, this is uh, Steven, bro. Uh, I'm not calling voice. Um, not going to go above 44 decibels or below 10 decibels, but. I did want to speak about the game. Um, Well, the first quarter, it was a game until, you know, the second quarter and beyond. But I would gloat. I would. But I don't have a little brother. I have a little sister. But it's almost like it would be like me me playing home run derby with her 15, 20 years ago. Like, Man, it was funny. Um, I know uh, I was at work, but I saw Michigan State players get off the bus with their helmets on. That's that what worked during Rich Rod and Hope. It worked then because Michigan had talent. They just didn't have a lot of talent that thought they could win. Um, let's, let's be real. If, you, if you're a Michigan State fan and you're listening, pay attention. You had the advantage because Michigan had bad coaches. Nobody's afraid of Michigan State. They weren't. So I really hope you all enjoy these wins because it's going to be a while before Michigan loses to Michigan State again. And I mean a while. Not not, not a year or two. It's going to be a while. As long as Coach Harbaugh is there. And I see a lot of Michigan State fans saying, well, you know, it's time for D'Antonio to leave. If, if, if the allegations and <laughs> the things that have come out against Michigan State didn't get him to leave, but loses, or my losses, I'm sorry, losing, gets him to leave, then something's wrong from the top down with that, that administration, that school, and that fan base. Let's not fire him because of the, the girls that have been raped by players who are no longer with the team. Let's fire because he can't beat Michigan. Or he's losing five, six games a year. 
D'Antonio's always been an average coach. Now, Coach Harbaugh is just making him look mediocre, like he is. That staff is mediocre. I can't believe some of the Michigan State fans. Well, I kind of can. But they're not the only school, let's be real. I don't know. That stuff could be happening in Michigan. And I'm pretty sure if it were happening there, Coach Harbaugh would deal with it in a better way. But, I mean, I have no sympathy for Michigan State. I'm glad they lost. The fans are arrogant and cocky. Welcome to the real world. You know, you have to expect this for the next few years. I don't care who their coach is. Now it's about talent. Michigan State doesn't really have a whole lot of it. So accept these losses. You know, Michigan, keep doing your thing. Love the show. Y'all keep going. I didn't finish my voicemail. I was just about to say what I need to say and wrap it up, but it cut me out for three minutes and 47 seconds instead of the normal 350, and I don't like that, so I'm going to keep talking. Um, yeah, so, so yeah, man, I feel no sympathy for Michigan State. They're the little, they're the little brother. Matter of fact, they're, yeah, they're, the, they're the adolescent brother now. It's not even close. Um, but as far as Indiana next week, I know some people, oh, man, well, Indiana's good. They ran with Penn State. I don't know why they couldn't stop them on fourth and one at the goal line. But, I mean, it is what it is. I'm pretty sure Ohio State's going to deal with Penn State next week. But, you know, Michigan Michigan is finally opening things up. I like what I'm seeing. I'm passing the ball around. Had a 300-yard passer for the first time in a while. 100-yard receiver for the – wide receiver for the first time in a while. And – it was um it was good to see. Uh, running, I think they need to do better at getting the running back um, holes. And, and but but like I said, I'm not gonna complain and pick a pick pick um apart today's performance, man. It, it is what it is, man. They did well. They did well, and I like I liked what I saw. I'm not gonna say Michigan State is you know just well what a, Michigan State is trash. I told y'all last week in the voicemail that garbage. Man, I knew they were gonna get murdered. They're just not any good. I have no sympathy for them. They can keep those two and three stars. You know, Michigan's three stars are way better, as you can see. And Ronnie Bell would probably win the Bolitnikoff if he was in Michigan State because um, he'd be the only guy that they, they would get open. Uh, but, yeah, man, I mean, Indiana, and then, then the big game, then Ohio State. I really think Michigan is coming into its its own. Um, this is a team, once again, we should have saw this, this team seven weeks ago. We didn't. I don't know why. We just didn't, but – but hopefully Michigan will go up um, a spot or two. If they don't, it is what it is. They have opportunities to um, to move up. But it was a well-rounded game. I, I, you know, I want to use this last 48 seconds to talk about Michigan. Man, Michigan State is trash. Man, I, but I love seeing them get beat. <clears throat> I, I know. I, I, I think it was. I think I'm, I'm. I'm almost positive both of you live near East Lansing, or one of you I know. But man, those Michigan State fans, they gotta be salty. Like, I mean, you can't even say it's basketball season. It's debate team season. Cause that basketball team is not gonna. And he should have. I remember the year, um, D'Antonio ran it up on Hope. Like, he's very cocky, very arrogant. And Michigan fans and players can be too. But, you know, well, ain't no but. We can be. But, I mean, Michigan State is just trash, man. I'm, I'm about to go catch a movie or something, man. But, dang, they trash. I'm going to be thinking about how trash they are in the movie. And I'm paying $12 for this ticket. All right, go blue. <laughs> All right, Steven, thank you as always. Appreciate those calls. Honestly, I, I will I will be honest. When I saw there were two voicemails, I was fully – 
prepared that one of them might have been laughing for the whole entire three minutes. <laughs> that would have been great. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, no. Um, <clears throat> so a couple of things I brought up. Uh, great stuff as always. Um, it would have, I would have, I would agree that part of me would have liked to see the running game maybe do a little bit more um, just for a little bit more balance. But when I, you know, start reviewing things, looking at things more, I honestly kind of am happy with how things went for, for the game overall passing and rushing, because I'm having a hard time remembering and I didn't have time to break it all down really when the last time that Michigan really won a game focusing on passing the ball because they always, I mean, for years, maybe the whole time since um, Harbaugh has been there, maybe, maybe it happened in the first year, um, have always been like, run the ball down the middle, run the ball down the middle, you know, do a pass play here, do a pass play there, mm-hmm. run, 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 run. Um, but this game was just like, uh, as Steven said, you know, the first quarter was the first quarter, but then they, they found their spot, they got in their comfort zone, and they like took off from there in the second quarter. And that was, as you could hear them commenting on the uh, TV and things like that, they were attacking the edges and everything. So doing more of that spread RPO type, you know, move, move the ball more, attack the edge more. And they found success with that. And I think that's great to see because you saw them have that great um, successful running game against Notre Dame um, where it was just, I mean, gosh, what, they had eight passes, I think, that whole game or something like that. But with this... Yeah, sounds about right. Yeah, with this, they had, uh, 33 attempts, you know, putting up 384 yards passing. He passed Tom Brady for having the most yards against Michigan, passing yards against Michigan State. Uh, right. It was just good to see them be able to win a game through the air because you know they can do it uh, on the ground sometimes. And so I feel like it shows a little bit more balance and things like that. I saw it as more of a positive than a negative. Yeah, I mean, it showed a little more diversity, I guess, and another dimension to their offense. Um, It shows that they can beat you on the ground and it can beat you through the air. It just depends on, you know, what's working in that game. And like you said, with the the Notre Dame game, you know, that was like 90% run because Mm -hmm. we didn't have to pass. Yeah. Every time Haskins got the ball, it seemed like he was going for at least 20 yards. So, you know, you'd be dumb to go away from that. Uh, and that's kind of the way this game was, too. Like, you know, we tried to run a little bit, but, you know, for how bad Michigan State is, they, they do have a fairly decent defensive line, uh, you know, especially against a run. So, you know, we struggled a little bit running the ball. So we went on to passing. And, you know, I watched the game with my wife and my father in law, and he's a big Michigan State fan. And he told me, like, during the game, like, outside of Scott and the secondary, they have nothing. Mm-hmm. He's like, they're terrible. He's like, none of these guys are any good in the secondary other than Scott. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, and that doesn't match up well against Michigan's receivers. Yeah. And and that was the thing, too, because Steven even brought up, too, about how Bell was able to break 100 yards receiving. It's not uh, – I haven't – I've been talking about that throughout the whole entire season, not so much because of, oh, I think that Michigan should be doing it week in, week out, but it's just the fact that they have the receiving core that they do, 
and a capable quarterback that they should be able to take advantage of that, especially when some of these games were as close as they were, where it's just like, you know, they really should air it out a little bit more to be able to, you know, create some space, open things up for the running game. I mean, you know, some of the times in the past several games, you know, it's just been like throw it up to Nico and either he'll catch it or they'll throw a flag because the right. defense can't guard him. Mm-hmm. So, um, and it, they're really like coming into their own with that. And yeah, I just obviously after the first quarter, the first quarter was difficult. Um, Shea Patterson and the team as a whole had a, a difficult time um, being productive in the first quarter. But after that, I mean, they just took, took off. I mean, that, uh, I think it was maybe, no, was it their third? Maybe it was their fourth drive of the game was that 98-yard drive. Um, that uh, that was huge. That was mm-hmm. fantastic because um, at one point they were on the five-yard line with I think like six or seven to go. It was like third and six or seven. And the drive had just started. They hadn't gotten a first down yet. And that was one of those times where in previous games uh, you would see Michigan not having the mental toughness to be able to fight through that. But right. they ran a play, uh, pass play. Uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones ran a great route well past the first down marker so that he could come back to the ball and catch the ball and still be in the first down area. You know, just seeing those things where it's just like, yes, you know, you need it's third down. Guess what? throw the ball to or past the marker. Don't do this like short pass and try to run for a couple yards and that kind of thing. Yeah. Don't do the lions. Yes, exactly. They love those plays. So yeah, it was, I mean, once they got into their groove in the second quarter, I mean, Michigan balled out. I know at halftime, it still kind of looked like it. Um, It was a game. It was 17 to seven. Um, I think then it was like 10 to 24 or 10 to 27. So it was still kind of like, uh, you know, um, things could still be there. But then, you know, uh, by the beginning of the fourth quarter, uh, Michigan had finished the third quarter and was in scoring position by the time the fourth quarter started. I mean, they, they scored with ease. And then after that was the... MSU debacle where they were forced to punt and then the block punt and a score after that. And then uh, the multiple interceptions. I think both their interceptions were in the fourth quarter. So it was just a dominating fashion to be able to finish out the game. And for once too, I mean, that's another thing on when was the last time they did this. They, you know, they destroyed them and, you know, ran up the score to a certain degree um, and things like that. So that was yeah, overall, I mean, just a really great game. Yeah. Um, yeah. I can't remember the last time that we blew MSU out. So you know, I was really happy to see that, you know, once we started pulling away, I was like, just pour it on, just score as many points as you can. Mm-hmm. Just because, you know, like what Steven said, like Michigan state fans are so cocky. Oh yeah. And it's like, you know, Ohio State fans are cocky, too, but they have a reason to be cocky. Where Michigan State, like, Michigan State sucks. (laughs) But, you know, they're always going to be there to talk crap. 
Yeah. And to answer Stephen's question, um, neither of us live in or very close to Lansing. Uh, Brandon, you're closer than I am. But at one point in time, we both worked, you know, outside of Lansing. Uh, and we're, well, you live down there too for a little bit. But yeah, it's uh, Craig is the one who lives the closest. So I think that's who he was yeah. thinking of. Yeah, um, yeah, I live like an hour from Lansing. Um, yeah. You know, so where I'm at, it's kind of a mixture of both Michigan and Michigan State. Uh, I work probably, you know, about 20, 25 minutes from East Lansing. So, you know, it's actually the town that Craig lives in. Um, yeah. So you get you get a pretty good, pretty good majority, I guess, of Michigan State fans, especially mm-hmm. at my job. Um, they were pretty quiet this week. <laughs> So, you know, it wasn't like it normally is. So, you know, I couldn't really gloat too much. I, I actually really didn't say much of anything about the games today just because, like, you know, they didn't give me crap the whole week, say that they were going to trounce us and all this stuff. So, you know, I couldn't really throw much back at them. But, you know, like like Stephen said, Michigan State, I don't think is going to win for a while. I don't think they're going to beat Michigan for a while. Yeah, I don't think so either. Um, I think Harbaugh is going to have them locked in on that game uh, here moving forward. Uh, some things to kind of mention just with the uh, the dynamic bet- with the series and everything. Uh, Michigan putting up 467 yards on Michigan State. The last time Michigan State was able to put up that many yards or more against Michigan, you'd go back to 2010. Um, but an interesting thing too, is that Michigan state is on their longest losing streak since drum oral 2016. All right. Um, 2016, they had that seven game losing streak. They are currently on a five game losing streak. So if you want to go to the last time before that, uh, they had four game losing streak in 2006, actually two, four game losing streaks, which interestingly enough, they actually fired their coach that year. And D'Antonio started the following year after that. But the longest streak after that, you would have to go all the way back to 1991. And so funny thing to mention with that. So D'Antonio has like the longest losing streaks at Michigan State, you know, within three years of each other. Um, But the funny thing about going back to 1991, they lost to the huge juggernaut football teams such as Central Michigan University and <laughs> they lost to Rutgers that year. Wasn't that the year though that there was one of the years that state lost to Central, but Central only like lost one game the entire season? Uh I'm not sure. It may have been that one. They actually like blew Michigan's I think it was like almost like thirty to three. It might have been that year because I know they had like uh a few guys that went to the NFL and they actually like made it to a decent bowl game that year. I can't remember it. Cause my brother went to central and one day I was just like going back, looking at their history of football and they had a couple seasons where they had like really good records and, you know, were actually kind of a, a powerhouse in the Mac. Shut up. You are ruining this dialogue, <laughs> you know, but still a powerhouse <laughs> Mac team should always get beat by a big 10 team <laughs> unless it's Rutgers. Who doesn't belong in the Big Ten? <laughs> yeah, and I can't remember. I don't know when was Rutgers. Uh, wasn't there like heyday like the early two thousands? 
Oh, I thought it was like the 1940s. Well, yeah, they, <laughs> but they had they had like that streak where uh, was it a Shiano or whatever, and they were actually quote unquote um, yeah, good. So but I don't know. Anyway, so I thought it was kind of yeah, I thought it was funny that they lost to CMU and Rutgers in '91. So, but. Yeah, but basically, yeah, Michigan State's looking terrible. Um, pretty much rest in peace their football program. Yeah, well, okay, so they're <laughs> uh, they on a suck. five. I mean, they're probably going to suck for a while because they don't have any quarterbacks that are just deserving of starting next year. <laughs> yeah, you mentioned that. I forgot about that. They're nothing. Yeah. Um, but so they're currently on a five-game losing streak. Now, it, it'd be a stretch I think to say that they would have a seven game like lose their last two games and have a seven game losing streak and it would be really really rough for them if they lose their next one which is against Rutgers oh. but if they if they somehow lose that one then I don't know how they rebound and would beat Maryland yeah so that would be that would be if somehow they have three or sorry two seven game losing streaks within you know three years a three-year time span mm-hmm. that would be uh oh no i'm sorry four-year time span sorry i said that wrong four year because it was in 2016 and then it's in 2019 so uh but still that would be that would be rough but yeah <laughs> pride comes before the fall nah, exactly nah, nah. i just uh, <laughs> Yeah, that's what uh, I was thinking the whole game. And I'm like, why is Lewerke still in there? And then I was like, oh, because they really don't have anything else. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, did you notice that their second string quarterback was in there on punt team? Oh, no, I didn't notice. <laughs> Rocky Lombardi was in there on punt team. Weird. Yeah. <laughs> Man. Oh, Spartans will, I guess. <laughs> <sighs> Well, for Michigan, I mean, they just like balled out. Every so, I mean, so many good things to say. I mean, Harbaugh looked like he was having fun again. Gaddis did a fantastic job, and I know a lot of people have been saying it. You know, finally the team has come together. The offense is clicking. It's not. Um, I don't break down offenses personally all that well but i heard uh and read some things about how people were saying that compared the offense to what it is now to the beginning of the season it seems like they've changed it a bit kind of altered it and a mixture of pro and um spread uh i don't know if you would say that they kind of dumbed it down but whatever they're doing they've got it where this team is comfortable with it which is great um like i said gaddis did did very well and I know that people are going to be uh, might go back to being like, oh, where was this all year? I understand kind of the growing pains and everything with it. I do not. I'm not going to be one of those people that goes back and apologizes where it's just like, you know, oh, I shouldn't have said the things I did because it's just like with how bad it was at the beginning of the season. I don't think anyone could have anticipated how the latter part of the season has gone so far because they didn't do what a strong against middle Tennessee army was, you know, kind of scraping by, um, the huge debacle with Wisconsin, the struggle, um, the tight game against Iowa, the struggle against Illinois when they were missing their starting quarterback, um, all that stuff had happened. And it's just kind of like, 
you know, it looked worse than it should have. Uh, but they did bounce back and everything from that. So, I mean, it's really uh, not going to really say anything about Ohio State because that's still a week away. Not, I'm not one of those people that thinks that we can't talk about Ohio State or anything like that, but just that's another conversation. Um, but we'll be talking about Indiana here. Uh, we've got our preview episode later this week that we'll talk about with them. Um, but yeah, a lot, a lot going on, a lot looking good. I thought it, um, I don't know if Michigan was deliberately really trying to run up the score. Um, I think they were just kind of like, Hey, just keep going and see what happens. But that last touchdown that they had where, um, they had the RPO and, um, Patterson passed it to Cornelius Johnson that was just mm-hmm. awesome. That was just that was perfect. Uh, the defender came off right at the right second. Patterson passed it, and he just like Johnson just basically walked in, and it just it was just awesome to see. Uh, just to put that kind of cherry on the top there at the end. But, yeah, that was pre- that was pretty awesome. Um, yeah, man, I just I kept wanting him to pile on more points. <laughs> Like, let's just keep rolling. Let's just keep going, you know, because D'Antonio wouldn't stop on us. So, our, you know, keep the uh, keep the pedal to the metal. Keep going. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I thought I thought it was going to be a stretch for me to say that uh, score of 38 to 10. Like, that was wishful thinking. And then they totally, you know, went past that. So, but great game. Um, I, I was, I was a little bit hesitant with my how optimistic I was with our preview episode, but uh, but things are looking pretty good, and yeah, could be plenty of other stuff to share and say. I know that they called the tight game with the. Uh, the sportsmanship stuff and everything like that and call, called some things, didn't call some things all in all. I was very cautious. Uh, I think was it the first half? I think it was mostly in the first half. I was a little bit uh, cautious on how things were going to go for the whole game, but they kind of wound up, you know, settling down for the most part. And that was, that was good, and I was really kind of worried that was going to get out of hand and things were going to get a little bit ridiculous. But yeah, um, the officiating was kind of up and down. Um, it, you know, there was some like missed pass interference calls in the first half, and I'm like, oh man, are we really going to go through this? But like you said, it kind of leveled out a little bit. Uh, the only one that I kind of questioned is I I really thought Quiddy Page probably should have been thrown out. For the for I, targeting, I see that um, when I was watching that, and I was trying to get different angles and everything. I think there was another angle, or maybe one angle they only showed one time. Uh, he went, he went. It did look like he was going kind of high, but he hit him with his hands in the chest and the shoulder, and his head was forward. But I don't think his head actually made contact with anything on the mm-hmm. body. Um, but again, of course, that was I don't have DVR or anything, so I couldn't really go back and watch it. Um, but, and and so if, if that's true, if they were able to see that his head didn't make contact, then it's, I think that they got it right. But I do believe that if he did make any head contact, 
that it would have been worthy of like what you said that he probably should have been uh, taken out. It was totally not as egregious as the one that Michigan state had um, on Patterson because it was in the action of passing or just after, but yeah, Mm -hmm. it was, I can definitely see that where it was, it was close. Yeah. But yeah. And man, another thing that kind of like frustrated me is that, so the announced team kept saying, Oh, Michigan's really rolling now and, you know, getting ready, you know, take on a good Indiana team next week. And then, you know, the big game at the end of the season, um, you know, Michigan looking tough, maybe can stack up against Ohio state. And I'm like, if you're using the game against Michigan state as a measuring stick for how they're going to do against Ohio state, then you're completely wrong. Yeah. Like these are two different teams. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. Ohio state is a completely different level. Oh yeah. Yep. No, I agree. I think that there will be some, uh, worth to seeing how Ohio state does this coming weekend against Penn state. Mm-hmm. Um, cause that I think will be kind of a decent measuring stick to gauge a little bit. Um, but yeah, no, it's, I mean, it's kind of like when Michigan beat Michigan state in 2016 and people were thinking that was a big deal and everything, but then Michigan state wound up going three and nine. Yeah. So yeah, no, I, I agree with that where it's just like, it's, too tough to tell. Ohio State. Ohio State's completely different than any team that Michigan has faced, or any other team in the Big Ten, really. So, mm, totally. Uh, all right. Uh, you good, or got anything else you want to mention? No, I think I'm good. All right. Real quick to wrap things up, uh, the predictions and everything that we had. Um. We both had Michigan winning. I had 38 to 10, so I had Michigan covering the 13 and a half point uh, spread. Brandon, you did not. The uh, We both had the Lions losing, not covering their plus three and a half against the Cowboys. We were wrong with guessing the under, though. For my lock of the week, I took Northwestern not covering negative 40 against UMass. And Northwestern won by 39 points, so I <laughs> barely got that one. Actually, um, it ended up being um, they were favored by 41. Oh, I saw one that f- said they finished with being actually favored by 39, so it would have been a wash. Oh, okay. So it must so, have changed since I think it was Friday when I checked. Well, ever all of them are a little bit different. I don't yeah. think there's one one that rules them all but um you for your nfl lock you had the patriots and they covered their three and a half or their negative three and a half point spread our michigan question of the week was how many sacks will the michigan defense have they wound up having three brandon that was your guess so you got a point for that will ezekiel elliott rush for 100 yards against the lions we both predicted yes but he didn't even crack 50 so <laughs> he got outrushed by Bo scarborough I know, right? <laughs> totally random. But uh, but yeah, so then the uh, current score for that, uh, Brandon, you got 35. I'm sitting at 43. So 
We both got five points this week to add to that. Um, but I think we're good then. Yeah. All right. Well, we thank you guys for tuning in. It was a good one. Chat about Michigan football. Lions was definitely a different story. We will be having our preview episode later this week. Don't forget about our Blue Bros 2 episodes as well. And if you guys want to call in like Steven does, feel free to call our Google voicemail. The number is 551-258-3276. Easy to remember, 551-BLUE-BRO. We hope you guys have a good week. Do not hit any deer while you are out there driving. And until next time, go blue. Go blue.